1968 is best known for being one of the most tumultuous years of the 20th century. Many in the West regard 1968 as a year that defined a generation. The war in Vietnam went up a notch with the Tet Offensive. The Mexico Olympics were marred by controversy and a deadly crackdown on protesters. Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy were both assassinated. 1968 is also the year that a former professional boxer in Japan was sentenced to death. His death sentence would begin a saga that would see him enter the Guinness Book of Records for all the wrong reasons. I'm Melissa Caston. I'm James Patterson. And this is Just Cases. Our guest today is Dr Mai Sato. Mai is the Director of Elios Justice, an anti-death penalty initiative at Monash University. Hi Mai. Hi Melissa. Hi James. Mai, we're going to get to the incident that led to this man being sentenced to death shortly. Uh, first off, just a warning to our listeners that in this current case, we discuss some violent treatment of a prisoner. First off, my let's meet this man. Uh, in the 1960s, prior to this particular incident, who was Iwao Hakamada? Yeah, sure. Iwao Hakamada was a factory employee at this uh, miso factory, but he was also um, a, a boxer as well. And I believe he was uh, 30 years old at the time of the offence. And he actually had a pretty good boxing record. I looked it up. Uh, it's, it's quite impressive. In fact, when he, when he lost, he lost only on points. But that has nothing to do with the story at all. <laughs> uh, so, so what happens on the night of June the 30th, 1966? The manager of a miso producing factory, um, the manager and his wife and two children were murdered in their home. And their house was robbed and then set alight. And then two months later, Hakamada, who was a factory employee there, and he lived near the miso factory too, um, was arrested for the quadruple murder. So shortly after he's arrested, he confesses to the crime and the, and the case goes to trial. But at his trial, he retracted his confession. Why did that happen? Well, he was interrogated without a lawyer for 20 days up to 16 hours a day and he confessed to committing these murders. And towards the end of the 20 days, he confessed. But at trial, uh, the prosecution presented 45 signed documents of confession, but only one was regarded as admissible by the court because there were signs of um, forced confessions um, and torture and, uh, yeah, a number of hours that he was interrogated without the presence of a lawyer. Some of the things that Mr. Hakamada said uh, at his trial about obtaining the confession was that police had uh, beaten him, uh, they kicked him. He was yeah. also quoted as saying, well, later on after the trial, he was quoted mm-hmm. as saying, uh, I could do nothing but crouch down on the floor trying to keep from defecating. One of the interrogators put my thumb into an ink pad, drew it to a written confession record and ordered me to write your name here while shouting at me, kicking me and wrenching my arm quite a distressing thing uh, to hear. Um, So the original physical evidence was a pair of pyjamas, which had some blood and petrol on it. Over a year after the crime in 1967, the police find something else. What's that? um, They found, um, towards the end of trial, I think, um, found um, five items of heavily blood-stained clothing discovered um, from a missile barrel that was at the factory. And then by this point, prosecution changed their argument, stating that um, Hakamada actually wore the, the newly found clothes when murdering the family. But then 
their story up until that point was that Hakamada um, committed these crimes wearing his pyjamas. So now that this new items of clothing had been discovered, prosecution changed the argument, saying that Hakamada killed the uh, family with these, the, the missile-stained clothing that, that's just been found, and then went back to his apartment, got changed into PJs, came back and committed arson. On September 11, 1968, he's found guilty and sentenced to death by a three-judge panel. But what happens after that? Well, he remained on death row and he actually still is technically on death row. For 48 years, he was in solitary confinement. This this is just an incredible period of time for somebody to be on death row. Yes, and in Japanese death row, it's solitary confinement. So um, he doesn't have access to um, other death row inmates or other prisoners. Let's take it back a few steps because we've got about 50 years to cover uh, between when he's found guilty and sentenced mm-hmm. to death and now uh, it's just an extraordinarily long period of time. Can, can you take us to that judgment, the original judgment, when he was sentenced to death by mm-hmm. this three-judge panel? What were the dynamics at play uh, among those judges at the time? We've come to learn some things uh, through a bit of a, a bombshell revelation only recently. Yeah, yeah. So, um one of the associate judges, so he, his name was Kumamoto Norimichi. He was the, the youngest uh, judge out of the three. And he came out saying that when he sat on this trial, he knew that Hakamada was probably innocent, but he was convinced by the other two senior judges to deliver a guilty verdict. And he's quoted in the media saying that looking at the evidence, there was almost nothing but the confession and that it had been taken under intense um, interrogation. And um, this judge actually resigns six months after Hakamada's uh, conviction. And then I think it was in late 2000, uh, this judge stated on uh, national TV that he was actually pressured into writing uh, a guilty verdict. Was that something that is done commonly in Japan? Or was this a a break with tradition? Um, Yeah, it's very unusual that a judge or a former judge comes out uh, confessing these politics within within judges. And I think he's he's breaching the confidentiality of deliberation of judges, so hardly any judges will come out to do that. It must have been extraordinary at the time when that happened do do you remember hearing that news and and what the reaction was in japan um that did come out and there was i mean this news was reported but that didn't directly lead to uh the the retrial being granted i mean in this this case the japan federation of bar association have been supporting this case for for many many years so that revolution alone didn't have the the desired impact it's more that the the lawyers have been working on this case for decades and finally they managed to get access to the five items of clothing that were used back in the 1960s this is Just Cases. Today we're speaking with Dr. Mai Sato, the director of Elios Justice Anti-Death Penalty Initiative, about the Japanese death row inmate, Mr. Hakamada. And while you're there, we have a massive favour to ask you. This favour will take between 30 and 45 seconds and we ask for your help. The Australian Podcast Awards are coming up in November 2020 and voting is now open for the Listener's Choice Awards. 
And of course, we'd love for you to vote for Just Cases. Just head to australianpodcastawards.com forward slash vote and enter Just Cases in the search bar. You have until Wednesday, the 18th of November, 2020 to nominate your favorite show. Most important part of the process is make sure that you check your inbox for a confirmation email and you have to click that unique link that gets sent to you. Again, it's australianpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Voting closes Wednesday, the 18th of November, 2020. And thanks again for all your support. Hakamada, as you've mentioned, is sentenced to death in September 1968. But, I mean, there is a litany of appeals and appeals denied uh, running all through the 1980s, 1990s, into the 2000s. He remains on death row that whole time and he's not executed. Why? Um, in Japan, we don't really know who gets executed next. So a death row inmate could be on death row for five years and could be executed. Uh, there could be some, some prisoners who's got retrial documents submitted, but they may be executed. And in Hakamada's case, he just wasn't executed for this long. I mean, he's still is alive. He, he, the Ministry of Justice decided not to execute him. And we don't know what the selection process is. But my guess is that the Ministry of Justice probably knew that this is a wrongful conviction case and didn't want to have a wrongful execution. In 2011, the Guinness Book of World Records recognised this prisoner as the world's longest held inmate on death row. And at that point, he was 75 and had been on death row for 43 years. It's now nine years after that. What's been the impact on, on this prisoner, on Hakamada? Yeah, Hakamada's um, sort of mental, mental and psychological status has been um, debated for a long time. For example, on death row for about ten years, he refused to see his elder sister, who has been a very strong and committed supporter. He also refused to see the lawyers. If you've seen any clips of Hakamada now released um, giving speeches, you could see that sometimes he doesn't even know where he is or what kind of speech he's supposed to be giving. The Japanese death row inmates are kept in solitary confinement. So, of course, you know, being on death row for 48 years in solitary confinement has a tremendous impact on person's mental capacity and status and health. So is he still on death row? He is still technically on death row. After in 2014, a retrial was granted because the lawyers managed to get some evidence that the newly found pieces of clothing um, didn't have contain Hakamada's um, DNA evidence. So a retrial was granted in 2014 and he was released from death row, but only released to be at his home. He technically remains a death row inmate. And then the prosecution appealed that decision to grant a retrial. And then 2018, High Court accepts that. And then the lawyers appealed again. And now the Supreme Court is considering whether or not to grant Hakamada a retrial. So but te- the fact that he was released suggests that the judiciary thought that this is a wrongful conviction case, but we just can't call it a wrongful conviction case. So, so technically, where does death row exist for Mr. Hakamada now? I mean, where is he living? He's living with his elder sister at her home, and um, he's free to go out and give speeches. But technically, the sort of like legal term for him is a death row inmate. 
This season of Just Cases is asking the question, how does society organise itself and how are our traditional institutions, including the legal system, holding up in 2020? What does this terrible tale tell us about the justice system in Japan and what do you think needs to change? Um, I think the, um, the interrogation system of procedural guarantees definitely needs to change because when um, the retrial was originally granted back in 2014 the Japanese media congratulated by saying great now you know we have you know uh, DNA evidence we have science on our side therefore we can uncover um, this kind of miscarriages of justice but if you actually look more closely at Hakamada's case if the police and also the prosecution properly done their investigation, he would not have been charged in the first place. So I think the way in which investigations are done, the way in which um, police interrogations are done, that really has to change because in Japan you can be detained for up to 23 days without having a lawyer and that 23 days is for just one charge. So that could be prolonged if you if the, if the police decides to add another charge uh, to the suspect. And that is a very, very long time to be questioned without access to a lawyer. And the level of secrecy in, in the legal system and in the processes seems really challenging to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, this is um, slightly different to sort of the process of the criminal justice system, but looking specifically just at the death penalty in Japan, it's shrouded in secrecy. Like the execution room hasn't been made public other than just one time in 2011 when an unused execution room was allowed to be photographed by um, media crew. And that's the only time that's ever been um that's ever been made public and but also the Japanese government justifies the retention of the death penalty uh, by strong public support but the public also don't know how the death penalty is used um, how it's carried out my you head up Elios justice uh, an anti-death penalty initiative H- how do you actually set the goal of turning the tide of, of public support? not just government policy, but public support for death penalty in countries that retain the death penalty, such as Japan. I think you can think of death penalty policy in two ways. One is sort of the bottom up of increasing human rights education, uh, working with you know NGOs. In Japan, the civil society base is so weak. So you have a victim's rights group that is for the death penalty um, uh, campaigning aggressively towards the Japanese Ministry of Justice. But we have a very weak um, civil society base with Japanese human rights organizations and NGOs. And I think it's important really to to, to change that. Another way is um, the Japan Federation Bar Association is now officially an abolitionist organization. So we work with the JFBA to also try and advocate for abolition um, at the uh, Ministry of Justice level. So sort of bottom up, but also, you know, at the top level, you know, we also want to campaign. And I think it's important that um, 
you know, we work at two levels when we think of advocacy. And that's sort of the same model that we have for Elios Justice. We partner with regional organizations uh, and listening to them about what kind of campaigns and advocacy or cases that they'd like us to help out with. But we also have a UN advocacy project looking at trying to um, engage with uh, retentionists as well as abolitionist organ- um, governments in working towards moving away from the death penalty. And uh, my Elios, who or what is Elios? Elios is, a, is an initiative uh, at Monash Law Faculty and we do teaching, research and advocacy. Um, we chose the name Elios because uh, it's a Greek goddess for um, mercy, compassion and forgiveness. This is Just Cases and today we're speaking with Dr Mai Sato the director of Elios Justice, an anti-death penalty initiative at Monash University. And we're hearing today about the case of Japanese death row inmate Iwao Hakamada. If you're looking to master your career, make sure you check out the new master's program from Monash Law. If you have a law degree already, you could be graduating with a Master of Laws within 12 months. If you don't have a law degree, there's also a brand new master's designed for you too. It's called the Master of Legal Studies. Both taught at Monash Law and both with the option to really drill down into a specific area of law and emerge with a comprehensive grounding to help you stand out from the pack. Applications are open now. Head to monash.edu law for more info or check out the links in the show notes. We're currently seeing the continued use of the death penalty worldwide. Can you tell us about the use of the death penalty? You know, what, what are the, the, where are the main places that it occurs currently? And is it gaining popularity or is there a trend towards abolishing it? Where, where are we at? Yeah, there's certainly a global trend of moving away from the death penalty. And more than half of the countries in the world, uh, world have abolished the death penalty. And if we include um, those countries that um, still have the death penalty in the law books, but don't actually carry out executions, that number goes up to two-thirds of the country around the world. But Asia really lags behind the global trend towards abolition. Um, So when we think of the death penalty, we often think of the US because we hear more about the US death penalty. But in fact, 97% of executions occur outside of the US and Asia lags behind the global trend towards abolition of the death penalty. There's so much evidence that Mr. Hakamata was wrongfully convicted. Will this turn the tide of public support in Japan? We're all familiar with quite uh, famous and celebrated cases in the United States where people work for years to establish that someone has been wrongfully convicted and they're on death row and finally they're released to great celebration. Does it operate that same way around the world or is that a US phenomenon? I take the view that it's probably unique to the US because US has tried to make the death penalty a safe system by having um, uh, procedural guarantees and appeal process, having a mandatory appeal process. But then it was innocence. That argument was very persuasive in turning uh, various uh, US states from moving away from the death penalty and you know, thanks to all these innocence projects in the US. So I think US tried to create a safe death penalty system, but that uh, work and the trust that people probably had on the US death penalty system was broken because of all the exonerations. I'm not sure whether the same scenario applies in other jurisdictions. In Japan, uh, we still have very high trust 
in the courts. And if you look at the World Value Survey, you will see that for some reason, Japanese public have very high trust in the courts. And there has been other cases, four other cases of、uh, death row wrongful convictions, but those cases didn't quite change the, the people's attitudes towards the criminal justice system. But when we look at other countries like India, Kenya, Zimbabwe, we are seeing that again. Innocence is not something that will、uh, change people's attitudes towards the death penalty. And in those jurisdictions, people actually do not trust the criminal justice system, do not trust the courts. And they think that, yeah, of course, there's miscarriages of justice. So, innocent people being executed or exonerated and support for the death penalty, there's not a match there. And in the case of Japan, I think the court still enjoys very high trust. So, Mai, will this ordeal ever end for Mr. Hakamada? Is there a date for a retrial? What's going to happen next? Well, there's no date for a retrial yet because we're still waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on whether there should be a retrial. And then after that, there will be a date set for the retrial and then another appeal process. And given Hakamada is already 82, I really hope that he will stay physically healthy and his mental you know, health will also improve. And that he will make it until he's、um, found not guilty. Dr. Mai Sato, thanks for speaking to Just Cases. Thank you for having me. Dr. Mai Sato is the director of Elios Justice, an anti death penalty initiative which aims to abolish the death penalty in the Asian region. You can find more info by looking up Elios Justice, that's Elios, E L E O S. And if you haven't voted yet, another reminder to put in your vote for Just Cases for the Listener's Choice Award for the Australian Podcast Awards 2020. Voting closes on Wednesday, the 18th of November. Just head to AustralianPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. That's AustralianPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. And make sure you click on that confirmation link that's sent to your inbox. And that's it for Just Cases for now. Thanks, Mai, and thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.